takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marshall still fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marshall. Four to two Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the That was a very well done woo. Yeah, that, great that, job. That's Chris an all timer, I think. That is an all timer. You got a very deep breath before you threw that woo out, and well, I think that a lot of it has to do with our special guest yes, co-host Stormy Bonantoni joining us here today once again. Will be our special guest co-host. Hey, Stormy, how nice was that woo? It was. I'm impressed. You know what, Chapman? I think that I don't know if you were ever a swimmer or like a surfer <laughs> at any point in your life, but you can seriously like you you've got a good breath going. So I'm impressed. <laughs> Fun fact: People in New Jersey or who grew up in New Jersey actually do surf, and uh, we would skip class a lot and go wow. surfing in the spring and uh, and fall. But uh, yeah, I I, I definitely fall was good because we always got the the hurricanes off the shore, so we'd get good waves. But uh, yeah. How long can you hold your breath for? Uh, not as long as I used to be able to. It helped that I was also a runner <laughs> in my younger years, so so I had a pretty good breathing pattern. But uh, you if you yeah. if you had to if you had to guess right now, what is it? Like ten seconds. Oh come, oh, come on. on! You I, hold the woo ridiculous. for more than ten. I, listen, I'm not going to try it while we're on the air because you might hear. <laughs> And that'll be my head hitting the microphone. There was no thud. It just sounded like, yeah, no, there was no thud. That's weird. No thud. Come on. Come on. You're the sound guy. I know. What's happening? It's weird. All right. Hold Uh, on. You don't have a thud drop? What are you doing? I I should just drop my phone on the the microphone. right? Just drop my phone. (laughs) Darren could could text me from Tokyo. That was Chapman dropping his mic on the the board. (laughs) No, but my favorite favorite part is you've got a whole bunch of hot keys where you can throw a drop in there and you decide to just hit the microphone that's well done i know uh so well, yeah. what okay. was that there it is. that's patrick line <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I don't know what he's i think he's trying to say well yeah but it comes out as well 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 ega well i got give, give uh, do it one more time well i got well yeah no i hear well yeah i think okay. that's what he's trying to say but i needed like to hear it three times though to make sure um that's another Patrick. How Lange are we special. off the rails this much <laughs> three minutes into the show? I can give you a little bit of an idea. Okay, so <laughs> initials are CC. Uh, no, no, no. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the fact that this is the final week of shows for the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show until September. We are going to be on hiatus starting next week through the beginning of September. So it's our final week of shows before a break. And I think that Chris Chapman's got senioritis. Like I, I would imagine that is why we're off the rails this early. That no. makes sense. Like sure. you guys are just a little bit loopy right now. That's fine. But I got to tell you, 
of all people right now, you guys, this break that you're going to get here next month is so well-deserved. I know how much time and effort and hours you guys put into this thing, plus everything that you do um, on game days, Ryan, like it's, you're killing it. So congrats on some well-deserved time off and let's have a killer final week for you guys. Yeah, it's definitely going to be fun for us. And for people who think we just show up in the building and turn the mics on and don't, it's listen. If only. If only. <laughs> Right. Like we got a text from you this morning about talking about meetings and I'm like, oh, thank goodness we don't have to deal with meetings on top of everything else. Me and Ryan deal with in this on this side of things. But, uh, yeah, I mean, well, Ryan actually deals with meetings. I don't. I'm just the guy who when gets told what, what comes out of those meetings. There are a few meetings that I, I deal with on a daily basis. And then obviously the, the games, the, the daily show, it's a labor of love. It's always fun. It's always exciting. But I, I would be lying if I wasn't uh, going to say that I'm very much looking forward to a mm -hmm. couple of weeks completely off. But before we get there, we've still got a lot of really entertaining and interesting hockey talk to get to especially today because we're coming off of the NHL entry draft. We're coming off of a very busy weekend in which there were quite a few trades. A lot of teams look very different today than they did heading into the weekend. And oh, by the way, free agency that hits on Wednesday. So there's still a lot of things up in the air. What are the Golden Knights going to do about Alec Martinez? There's some reports that Vegas and Alec Martinez, they're kind of closing in on a deal. We're not going to get too in-depth on that unless something breaks, but we will get some reaction from that later on in the show. But we're going to start here with what has happened. The course of the weekend, the NHL draft, and Stormy Bonatoni, you working that draft special for the Vegas Golden Knights. Just in terms of that weekend for you as a broadcaster how challenging is draft weekend yeah well I gotta tell you it's definitely different that um you know we talk about radio being a little out of my comfort zone a draft special was certainly out of my comfort zone because it's so different just from what you're used to like if you think about an NFL draft which is you know one of the biggest spectacles that's out there on TV and everybody knows all the players coming in right because you've watched them for two three four years in college and you yeah. know their names you know where they've been you know where they're projected versus the NHL where so many of these kids are 18 years old they've played in X country over here um, for this many different teams they lived here they're from here it's it's a much bigger ordeal in terms of just background information that you have to dive into and so we're super lucky that we get these <laughs> packets of just information I relied pretty heavily on Darren Millard before I started my preparation just in like how did he lay out his cards and he had you know cards for every single team and then cards for the top 60 prospects we have packets for the top 160 prospects so um, there's definitely a lot that goes into it and it was my first time ever covering an NHL draft because last year um, it was just a couple of the guys that went up to Montana to cover it um, when it was up there and so it, yeah it was different it was a lot of fun I'm so lucky to have the crew of guys that we have to be a part of this thing just the knowledge and the text messages that Gary Lawless is getting on the set <laughs> while we're going through things um, Dan Duva you know can talk about anything forever he's a master when it comes to um, just 
anything pretty much he just yeah. knows it all he's yeah. really really special and same thing with Dave and Shane so we had a lot of fun it was a lot of work but just from a, a coverage standpoint it's definitely very different and um, just a lot goes into it and and that's just on the talent side that's just on us that are talking about it but behind the scenes getting everything up on the radio and the stream for a simulcast our production crew is incredible um, just getting all this done so it was it was a lot of work for those two days and um, especially because the first, you know, the first round goes for about <laughs> four hours, whatever it is. But yeah, then you try yeah. to knock out rounds two through seven the next day and it just goes on and on. I mean, eight hours. It's insane. Yeah, it, it's it's a, a commitment for sure. And, <laughs> and I think like that's kind of the biggest thing that that I take away every year with the draft. Like obviously the spectacle of being able to be selected in the first round. That is a dream come true for players. Obviously, it's not the ideal circumstance because it's still a virtual draft. But the fact of the matter is you get to be selected in the first round. You get to be drafted into the NHL. It's a huge honor and something that these kids work for their entire life. So there's there's that element there where you just see that pure joy, that exuberance, that 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 really uh, like just awesome moment there but then you you look at how quickly information starts to trickle out about mm -hmm. these players that a lot of people haven't watched that a lot of people aren't familiar with and that's in a regular uh, a regular setting right like that's in a regular situation let alone now during a pandemic where viewing these players was very very limited in terms of games played in terms of you know how you found out about these players so it becomes even more challenging to go on the air with useful tidbits about players when there's really not a lot of information out there yeah and it's really interesting that you said that too just about the way that the scouts had to find information essentially this year because you couldn't see everybody in person you couldn't get out everywhere that you wanted to especially with border closures and what have you um and a lot of times these guys are relying on video they're depending on a specific camera angle can be deceiving for the things that you're looking at in terms of speed separation of speed those types of things so the scouts certainly had their work cut out for them to get to this point and the the way that we've all phrased it all week long is you know for Bobby Lowe's and this whole staff for the Golden Knights this is their Super Bowl this is what they work all year for that they put in so much work Kelly McCrimmon said that coming into this because of how much work he knows that group does they felt super confident coming into this draft it's like um, you know studying for an exam and you're studying all year long and you know how prepared you are and ready for this moment so from that standpoint it's it's really special and a unique situation and Ryan just because you did mention this moment for these kids like mm -hmm. even though it is virtual like you said and you're not getting out there on the stage and having the moment that you know so many people have had before you I actually think that it was super special to watch a guy like Owen Power get drafted first overall in the NHL draft and just be surrounded by all of his best friends and family teammates that like the support that he was able to have right there and to feel so special and to put that hat on and know that an NHL team believes in you and that this is a stepping stone in your career it's so special and um while I know that there are a lot of things that are missed from the the normal world I actually found that really really rewarding to get to watch for some of those kids yeah it's cool you mentioned that too because maybe we we, we do get it if we're in an arena when Luke Hughes is drafted by New Jersey <laughs> mm -hmm. but the reaction of Jack Hughes 
when oh, Luke my was drafted. I mean, I think he, he was yeah. more excited than Luke, I think. Luke is like, oh, crap, I'm going to New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> what Can I tell no, you what's so no, no. funny is I know we were going to do like some draft winners and losers. And for me, the Hughes family was going to be one of the winners um, just because of all of that. But Jack Hughes reminded me in that moment when he was celebrating of Jonathan Marcheseau after Mark Stone scored that overtime game winner in Colorado. <laughs> and he was jumping on the pile like that is so <laughs> Reminiscent. We need to do a comparison there. That was the first thing you know, that came to mind. You know, that's a really fair comparison. <laughs> and I thought I thought Jack Hughes was the star of the early portion of the draft because that reaction was so pure. Mm-hmm. And, and it was almost as if it was perfectly in balance with the type of reaction you got from Quinn Hughes. Because imagine being Quinn. You don't get to play with your brother, and now you've got you, you've, two of your brothers are going to know what it feels like to play together at the NHL level, and Quinn is on the outside looking in. Man, that had to suck a little bit for Quinn Hughes, right? Not only that, but he's like 3,000 miles away from his brothers in <laughs> yeah. Vancouver. So, I mean, you want you only get to see them twice a year during the season, and one trip to New Jersey and one trip to Vancouver, and that's it. But, man, that, that was really cool to, to see that. And how about uh, – there were so many good moments, but, you know, I, I, I kind of like what Stormy was saying because seeing these kids it, uh, surrounded by all this family and surrounded by friends, when you go to the draft, you only have a handful of people with you. It's not like you can bring your whole team to Montreal or to, to Chicago or Vancouver or wherever you're having the draft. But when you're doing it in your yard or in your living room, that is super, super cool. Yeah. And you get you get to see the natural reaction of the family and the friends and and. I don't know. I mean, maybe in the future we'll have less kids going to the draft. Like I, it was Darren Elliott who was talking about it with with uh, I believe he was talking about it with Gary on the broadcast on Saturday, and they were talking. About, I didn't realize how good of a hockey player Darren's son was, and he didn't. He I guess he didn't get drafted, but Gary had asked him if they had gone to the draft, and Darren had said no because our our rule was if you're going to be a first round player, you go. But Maybe in the future we'll see more of that with, with kids being drafted in the first round going and more Zoom reactions of mm-hmm. kids getting drafted because with the technology that we have now, we can, we can do that now for every kid who gets drafted or a lot of kids who get drafted. Yeah, and it's unique because we talk so much about, obviously, the challenges that the pandemic has brought on our world, and it's been mm. truly a tragedy. There's been so many people that have lost family members, lost loved ones, and it's it's been a really, really tough hard time economically for our society and then you see things like this where you realize going through this what you've learned and how you can adjust on the fly and adjust to do things differently that you know you'd never expected that anything positive really would come out of this time and it's nice to see something like that that does and and just one last thing I wanted to get to on um, the Hughes brothers and everything you know obviously there are brothers out there throughout the league. I mean, we even know like Mark Stone and his brother and Riley Smith. Like, you know, there there are brothers out there, um, the Stahl brothers uh, around the league. But what I thought was so cool about this was that no American family has ever had three first round picks um, like in their family let alone the top 10. So for those three kids to go one, four, and seven in their respective draft years, that is an incredible, incredible thing. And think about that family and like wanting to celebrate with them to see their kids pursue their dreams together, all the sacrifices that they've made throughout the course of their lives. And 
I'm just like, I was blown away by that whole scene. Just so happy for that family and any family really that got to have that moment. But that one in particular was really cool. You know, and and it's interesting that you bring that up because I I think that you're absolutely right in terms of that moment for, for that family in that setting, it was absolutely perfect. And it gives us an idea of how far we've come, not just in the last, you know, three or four months, but really since the last draft in the Mm -hmm. NHL, you all remember Alexi Lafreniere when he went first overall, it was a big room and just his parents. And that was it. And, And it just gives you an idea of what, what those draft parties or those draft Mm -hmm. locations look like in the middle of the thick of the pandemic versus where we're kind of at right now with, with all the Hughes brothers and their family and their friends there and excited and engaged. So it kind of served as, as a guidepost of, of kind of where we've been and how Mm -hmm. we've navigated through this pandemic to where we are now. And, and it's, it's another one of those reminders that things are a little bit different, but as you continue to grow and evolve and, and adapt, you kind of find those silver linings in what is different. Yeah, no question. And I mean, just to your point, thinking about last year and kids getting drafted and not even wanting to hug who they're with because of the situation yeah. and having their seats separated by six to 10 feet in those rooms. And yeah, it is, it's just, it was really refreshing and nice to see the normalcy that we've all gotten on. Thankfully, um, you know, America, we're very blessed has had a very good vaccine rollout compared to other countries. And hopefully it just keeps getting better from here for all. So in terms of draft coverage, like when you went into Friday and Saturday, did you feel like you were fully prepared for what was about to come? Or do you can you ever be fully prepared when there are that many names in the pool and that many draft picks that you're going through? I'm sure as you were asking the question, you could hear me go... <laughs> Because yes, yes. in a word, no, like you, that's something that, and I feel this way, honestly, I don't know if you guys ever feel this way because you're on the air every single day and maybe it just becomes more, you know, lockstep and key for you guys. But for me, at least I'm always a little bit nervous. I'm always a little bit anxious um, before I go do anything. And no matter how much I study for something, no matter how prepared I am, I still get those butterflies a little bit and I still feel like I'm missing something. And so I went into this thing just like having never done it before. How is this going to go? They're going to pick, you know, this draft, by the way, the parody that was in this draft was incredible. And we talk about coming into it, just the how unexpected things were going to be. And then it truly was. You see guys that were like projected to go 50 and they're in the first round, early second round. So um, you never really know. You're doing scrambling for cards occasionally because when you study so many names, um, you've got to try to figure out where they are in your pack. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, di- it's, it's different. Like I said at the beginning, just it's hockey is so different just because so many of these kids come from such different backgrounds. And it's not like you're just – covering players from the NCAA um, that you cover all year long, for example, you're covering the WHL, you're covering the OHL, you're covering, um, you know, 
teams in Russia and um, just making sure like I can't imagine how these scouts do it if me prepping for two days of coverage with all of these prospects let alone being somebody who has to go through and analyze every detail of these players games it's it's really incredible um, but uh, for the Golden Knights it was exciting for them you know you take J- Zach Dean number 30 overall in the first round I guess it's technically you know 29th off the board because of Arizona's situation <laughs> at 11 it's neither here nor there but that's somebody who the Golden Knights for example went into it not thinking that he's somebody that was going to be available for them so that just goes and shows like different players rising up higher than you thought that they might be players dropping and they were able to get Zach Dean at a number that they didn't think that he was going to be available at so um, just kind of cool thing for the Golden Knights to tie it all together with a bow. You know, and, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because Zach Dean in the first round for the Golden Knights, technically 29th, but hey, let's just kind of <laughs> It's fine. Arizona the, the ended Arizona up getting the ninth, getting up the, getting the ninth overall pick anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, and, and listen, like, again, as much as, 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 much as we, we want to kind of keep everything on the up and up, like, it's just a matter of making sure the Arizona Coyotes feel really, really badly about having to forfeit a pick, which is fine. Not a big deal. But the fact that <laughs> they're the not in our division really- anymore. Why are we so mean? Yeah, I, you know, because it's fun and it's easy and it's right there. It's low hanging fruit. I'm going <laughs> to go for it. But in terms of Zach Dean, I think the thing that, that, interests me about him is the speed right like I think that that's kind of one of those things um, comparable at at times I, I, I heard him say was he likes to look at Matt Barzell he mm-hmm. likes to the way that Barzell plays the game there's only one Matt Barzell and, and I guess that's kind of where I want to to kind of move and frame this conversation is when you're when you're studying for the draft and when you look at players that are selected and you hear their NHL comp right the, the player mm-hmm. that they model their game after does that become frustrating or, or do you think for certain fans it can become frustrating when you hear about what they model their game or what type of NHL player they, they want to become? Uh, is it helpful or hurtful in terms of a young draft pick that, that really is just trying to grow and get better to one day make the NHL? You know, I think that's more of a case-by-case basis, but I totally understand where you're coming from. For, for me... It's it's there's different things for me in terms of like your NHL comparable and the player that you model your game after. I think of those as two different things because yeah. for me the comparable is us on the outside looking in at a player and saying, "Hey, this is where your game is at now. This is where um, the direction that we think that it could go, and you look similar to being a guy like this. Maybe not there yet." Um, or for a long time, but this is where we see you versus somebody saying, hey, this is a player that I like to watch. I see some things that he does with his stick that I would like to be able to do, that I have been working on, that I have been studying. So I think of them as two different things personally. Yeah, I I I, I never really know how to react because I'm not the biggest draft guy. I'm going to admit that fully. Like, there are going to be certain players that I'm, I'm focused in on. There's going to be certain players at the top of the heap that I know a lot about. But as you kind of get deeper and deeper into the draft, mm-hmm. because there's so many different leagues, because there are so many different players, it becomes very difficult to become that that expert on every single player. But mm-hmm. for me, whenever I, I, I'm, I'm watching or listening to the draft and you've got in the fourth round a player and their comparable is, say, a Sidney Crosby or a Gabe Lang, 
Brian Descog <laughs> or something like that. What what I think ends up happening is if you're a fan of a team and you're listening to that, automatically your mind goes to that's what they are. And then it becomes unfair, I think, for the prospect to live up to those types of standards within the moment. Now, granted, I'm talking about a very, very specific example here. But mm-hmm. beyond that, I just I wonder if it's it's something that that we should try to get away from in terms of comparing what these players at 17, 18 are or what they could be to guys that are established and have long careers in the NHL. Yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from on that one. And and maybe it is, but maybe it's also complimentary. You know what I mean? Yeah. To I don't think that it always has to be pressure in a negative way. I think that you can spin that to a positive as well. Like there is such a thing as good pressure and somebody saying, hey, this is somebody that, that you look like, that we think that you have the potential to look like down the road. I don't think that that has to be taken as a as a negative and as a, a pressure and like oh I can never live up to this type of a thing you know at the end of the day like you said there's only going to be one so and so there's only going to be one Mark Stone there's only going to be one Alex Petrangelo or whatever it is you know um, I don't think that you have to try to be somebody else and I think that's kind of what you're getting at right is that you don't have mm-hmm. to be anyone else you're yourself you're going to establish your own path but. I think that there are some positives a little bit to it. If if somebody who has seen and uh, let's just use Alex Petrangelo since his like on the top of my mind for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, yeah. like if somebody says, "Wow, you really remind me of an Alex Petrangelo," I think in a couple of years you could be on a similar trajectory as him. I don't think that's oh crap. Like I'm never gonna live up to that. How the <laughs> heck am I? Like he is eight eight point eight million dollars a year. Like what? That's what you expect out of like. I, I don't think that that's the reaction. I think it would be more like, wow, that's incredible that you think I have that potential and that upside. 100%. So when you look at the Golden Knights, what they were able to do here in the draft, they, they spread it out pretty evenly. You've got three forwards, two mm-hmm. defensemen, one goaltender. And, and up front, I, I think str- strategically what I'm seeing in, in the players selected, Zach Dean, Jacob Brabenek, and Jacob Demick, I'm looking at more skill up front than maybe um, you're typically used to within a Golden Knights player. If, if it kind of pans out the way that you are hoping it does for these players, in their development, I think you're looking at slightly more skilled players than just your average 200-foot type game players. Yeah, and I could. And why wouldn't you want something like that in your prospect pool that you're trying to build up and develop? If somebody already has a little bit more of that natural skill, and then you guys can hone that and see what happens, particularly with those later round guys, right? Because it's the top two rounds of players that you draft that you're hoping to really get something out of that you're hoping that you get value from those selections that they come up then you develop and yada 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 right you want those guys Mm -hmm. ultimately when you invest in them in the first two rounds to be guys that will make your team at some point everything beyond that in my mind is like okay where can we find a hidden gem where's our diamond in the rough type of a thing and so if you have players like that that you see a little bit sharper of a skill and like maybe that gives you more of an inkling that they could potentially be those players that ultimately pan out for your team yeah and and it's interesting for me too because like you know when I look at Zach Dean specifically like Mm -hmm. I I I think that 
responsibility, his ability to play both ends of the ice, like that is a Golden Knights trait. Every single forward for this team, you want that to be a part of their skill set. But you also want one or two things that they can do beyond just the defensive side of the game and being responsible. And for Dean, it, it seems to come back to his speed and his ability to make plays around players. And and I think that that's important because as this team continues to grow, as the Golden Knights continue to get deeper into their history, you're going to need some players to find ways and pockets to break into this roster and they're going to likely have to do it in, in in you know either the middle six or the bottom six and and as you start to see teams win with more balanced lineups I think that's kind of the direction and the philosophy that you're starting to see yeah 100 percent. like I'm with you there and there's been a lot of interesting things that I've read about Zach Dean since we selected him and you know talking about him being a guy that not only skates well and is fast but He's someone who does really good work around the net, um, which is something that I know the Golden Knights really would like to have more of. He's a guy that's willing to pay the price. And, you know, all of those buzzwords that we hear so often about, you know, Pete DeBoer, for example, wanting injected into this team. And what was interesting about Zach to me was that, you know, you look at his stat line from this past year, 10 goals, 20 points in 23 games, so nearly a point-per-game player, led his team with five power play goals, got a little bit of size, but it was an off year for him. So for him to put up what I think is pretty good production um, on a year where he wasn't at his best because he was one of those people that's been pretty open about it, that the pandemic was pretty challenging for him, it sounded like, and it was hard for him to get up for games at times so he wasn't necessarily himself when he is at the level that he can be in front of crowds again and you know having fun with the game and having fun with his life um, who knows and so yeah there's a lot of really really interesting things I think about Zach and how about by the way just how sweet he was when he was like I heard Gatineau and I was just like could that be me could that be me like (laughs) awesome you know it's just again we go back to the very beginning of this talk it's just It's really genuine. It's an exciting time for these kids. And I think an exciting time for the Golden Knights as a franchise, too, just to see that they're finally really getting this developmental pool going and players that that they want to invest in and see shine. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. This is kind of that that period in time for the Golden Knights where you know what you're getting on on the NHL roster. You you have an idea of what you're getting on the AHL roster, but it's really time to now bring in these players and and draft and and develop them into tomorrow's key pieces. And, and for the Golden Knights, I think it it kind of you 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 need to make sure that your draft pool that your prospect pool is is stocked because as we've seen whether it becomes a player that's in your lineup every night or a player that you utilize in a trade to make yourself better the golden knights have had a strategy in terms of trying to build this team into a stanley cup contender and four years into existence they have become just that i think that puts a nice little bow on the golden knights and their draft weekend however on the other side of the break we're going to get into the winners and the losers from draft weekend a lot to cover a lot still left to get to here on the vegas golden knights insider show fox sports las vegas we're back to the vegas golden knights insider show on fox sports las vegas 98.9 fm and 1340 a.m I'm going to let this one breathe a little bit. 
beautiful. You know, ever since Darren Millard went to Tokyo, the music selection coming back from break has been exceptional, Chris Chapman. I think we need to... Does Darren not like the... Does Darren just not like good music? Is that what's happening? J Darren's not, like, hip to the to the new music that, that's out there that a lot of... <laughs> you know, people like he's, he's very much stuck in his ways and his ways are, are very much steeped in like 1975. So, wow. um, yeah, I would, I would say that he's not Them's quite his fighting to... words from a boy, Darren. <laughs> yeah. He'll, I'm sure he'll listen to this and then I'm sure I'll get like an angry text at, uh, I don't know, whatever the conversion rate is in terms of time between now and Tokyo 16. and it, he'll, yeah, he'll yell at me, and it'll be fine. Like, I'm not too worried about I it. I have another um, former coworker of mine that's out there in Tokyo right now, too, for the Olympics. And every time I text him, I'm just like, I have no idea what time it is there. Like, this, <laughs> I'm either, like, right on for you, or I'm ruining your life waking you up with a text message right it's now. About it's about eight, <laughs> 8.36 in the morning, about, I'm, I'm going to mm -hmm. guess, because I'm... I know they started the uh, triathlon at 6.30. They're almost two hours into it, so it's pretty wow. close to, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, the text I sent this morning probably was not the best <laughs> timing. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. Like, I have a hard time in, in watching the Olympics. I have a hard time understanding what is live and what isn't live. It, it's just one of those things where I turn something on, and if it's interesting, I'll keep watching. Skateboarding was really cool. Oh, it was Water awesome. polo. I'm going to say this right now, and, and I, I commented on it on Twitter over the weekend. Water polo and, and the athleticism that you need to be able to play water polo, it just blows me away. I, I don't understand the physics of, tr of going from treading water to leaping out of the water to make a save if you're a goalie. Like, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me, but it is fascinating to watch. Plus, you have to take into account the people that are trying to push you down and tug on your swimsuit and all that <laughs> stuff. Like, it's a physical game, too. Yeah, water polo is gnarly. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on with USA basketball. Like, if we could get back to form, that would be great. I think all involved would appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Stupid me the other like, last week. Oh, they'll be fine. Uh, game uh, one, oh. uh, not so much. <laughs> Well, I'll just say this. Um, if you're not doing three-on-three -three basketball, what are you really doing? Right? Oh, my like God. That, that, that was, that was really, awesome. That's been really fun to watch. Yeah. I, I can't. And, and I'll be honest. Like, I wasn't really expecting to get too far deep into the Olympics this year. I don't really know why. I just kind of had that feeling going into it. I can't stop watching. I just can't do it. it I it's, love that. It's on all the time. I need you to get in gymnastics mode with me here soon, okay? Like, this is very oh. serious to me. I need to have in-depth conversations oh, with you. Right. We're getting yeah. deep in gymnastics, okay? I forgot you were the gymnast. <laughs> that's right. Simone Biles. Uh, is, is she going tonight? Is that? No, that tonight's the men, right? Correct. Okay. But, yeah, yeah it's, I, I, this is, like, my favorite. This is my favorite time of year, favorite events. Even men's high bar, that's also, if you guys are just looking for one event to get into, men's high bar is wild. You know, I'll tell you, like gymnastics, tumbling, all that stuff. I I can't imagine flying through the air like that. Like I just, there's there's nothing in the world that I think would be cooler, but more terrifying. I, I just just blows me. Away. Let alone it really doing does. it on a four inch surface of a beam. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. So let's let's transition a little bit to the draft weekend, the winners and the losers, and this is gonna bleed in. 
to probably the next segment that we do because it, it, we need a lot of time for this. I, there are many winners. There's one very distinct loser, and then there's going to be some uh, a little bit more around the edges. But in terms of draft weekend winners, who do you guys view as a team that came out much better than when they went in? I'm going to let Chapman go first because when I took this assignment on, I wasn't just thinking of teams. I was thinking of draft mm. weekend winners in general. So if Chapman has a team, why don't you go ahead and go first and then I'll mix in my weird answer. Well, <laughs> now, now you have me wondering if our weird answer is the same. Oh, no. Because my thinking of the winner of the draft weekend and especially the first night the Big Blue University. That's of what Michigan. I was gonna say. Five. God. What is it? Six <laughs> players in the first round who either are Michigan Wolverines or are expected to enroll at the Prokhor Proltapov. And on his Instagram, <laughs> on his Instagram, right. he has he, he he has pictures of him like laying down across the back of a, of a really expensive, fancy sports car. Like, it kind of reminds me of when Sergei Fedorov came into the league, that type of, like, rock star status. I don't know if Prokhor Poltapov is going to be a star player, if he's ever going to play a minute of ice or have a minute of ice time in the NHL. But the Instagram of that he's a kid, winner. he's a winner. The you Sabres are a winner just for that. That's great. Okay. So <laughs> I'm like, listen, University of Michigan's a team. So you guys are well within the structure of the exercise to go with the Wolverines. However, I am going to echo Chris Chapman in terms of the Buffalo Sabres and understanding that this is Groundhog Day for me because it seems like no matter what, at some point in time every offseason, the Buffalo Sabres do something where I say to myself, huh, I think they've made themselves better. Now, I will say this. It is very, very, very clear that the bar is set incredibly low right now for Buffalo. Okay? But... The fact of the matter is the Buffalo Sabres the, at the end of this weekend, I think, have set themselves up better to be what they should be next year. And that is a team that's probably looking at the lottery next year, too, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. So the Buffalo Sabres, they were able to select Owen Power. They get their guy. They get a guy that I think probably could play in the NHL next year. Doesn't look like he's going to play in the NHL next year. His choice to go back to college, which I think makes a lot of sense. But you get another defenseman that can be a stud and help Rasmus Dahlin once that time gets there for Owen Power. You somehow get Rasmus Ristolainen to the Philadelphia Flyers and you turn it into Robert Hag, another first round pick and a 2023 second round pick. The fact that you were able to get a first, a second and a usable NHL player for Rasmus Ristolainen is a fantastic trade for Kevin Adams. And then the move of Sam Reinhart. Now, I understand the, the return isn't necessarily what I think a lot of people in Buffalo wanted. I think they wanted a little bit more than what you get out of the Ristolainen trade. But the fact that you were able to get a goalie that I think is going to be very good in Devin Levy and someone that can grow with the organization to eventually be the guy and you get another first-round pick, yes, it's conditional, but I do think you're going to end up with that pick in 2022. 
I just think that it's really efficient work done by Kevin Adams to improve this team, not for next year, but for two or three years down the road. Well, and especially given, I mean, all of the drama that's been surrounding that team, right? So yes. to know that you're getting some building blocks, and I love that you brought up Rasmus Dahlin because now you are going to have potentially here in the near future somebody else that was, you know, that first overall pick for you that can become something. And for him, he's led Buffalo Blue Liners in points each of his first three years that he's been with the team. And that's kind of what they anticipate for an Owen Power to kind of be. Like, this is a team that's trying to build pillars of their team from the ground up. Um, he's somebody, Owen Power is, that has that size, sense, poise that you add another young Blue Liner to to a group that is really trying to grow. And I, I'm excited for them. I think that, I think that given all of the stress that they've had with this Eichel situation, that this is good news for them. They did a really good job with the draft, but I, yeah, like I've said from the beginning, but Chapman took it because I didn't know we were all thinking the same way <laughs> that yeah, 100% my winner, my ultimate winner of the, this draft weekend is the Michigan Wolverines. Like I'm trying to figure out what's in the water over there because like somebody's got to figure out, like transition that to their football program. Will you like Jim Harbaugh needs some recruiting help. Maybe he can get some from, from Mel Pearson over there. Like, I don't know what it is, but yeah, Michigan really made out and, you know, good for them. That's a program that's just going to continue to, to thrive, like restack, reload. And you look at some of those kids and I mean, Luke Hughes is committed there. Like, you had three of the top five in your program already that are going to Michigan, then another one in the top five that's committed to you. Really, really cool. And that brings me back, though, to our draft special um, right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas over the weekend. It was awesome because we obviously at the Golden Knights had our own um, little contributor, uh, Brendan Brisson, who is yeah. teammates with all of those guys, come on and give kind of his scouting report on his buddies and talk through the things that they've been talking about. So it was that was awesome for us to in a draft that was so Michigan Wolverine heavy. We had our own Wolverine correspondent help us out. And and think about that from from the Golden Knights perspective, just to kind of give you that lens, right? You look at Brendan Brisson being within that program, looking at how successful that program is in terms of turning out NHL talent, how much growth and development there's there that is there for Brendan Brisson as mm -hmm. he continues his career with Michigan. I, I just think it's it's really awesome that the Golden Knights have a player inside that room, inside that team, that organization. And and I think that they're Brendan Brisson's gonna be one of those prospects to really keep your eye on in terms of how he fits into the Golden Knights plans, not necessarily next season, but beyond and, and, and what type of impact he can have once he gets to uh, either the AHL or the NHL and, and hopefully making the Golden Knights and, and using his shot and using his ability to score goals to help this team win. Yeah, yeah. And, and just to put it out there, this is the most players that Michigan has had drafted in an NHL draft since 2015. The two players who went the highest for them, Zach Wierenski, Kyle Connor. I'd say uh, that worked out pretty well for Michigan then. And, you know, the, the thing is, like, this just recruits for you. Yep. When, when you are a college program, it doesn't matter if you're football. I mean, look at Alabama in football. Why does Alabama get all the best players? Because the NFL is constantly drafting Alabama players because they're the most pro-ready. Well, obviously, it's a little bit different in hockey. But when you're a college program and you can go to a kid's living room and you're the coach – 
And you could sit down and say, look, we just had five, I'm sorry, six guys drafted in the first round. That's a pretty big selling point to any kid who who has aspirations of playing in the NHL and ends up going the college route. No question. So in terms of, of winners, do you guys have any others? Or, or is that kind of, are we okay with that list? I had people? another one okay, that go is going to be unexpected probably because <laughs> it's kind of a joke. And I'm going to say <laughs> the Arizona Coyotes – and it has nothing to do <sighs> with the Oliver Ekman Larson Connor Garland deal, but simply okay. because they drafted jo- they drafted Josh Doan, which I thought was so cool. The son of former face of the franchise Shane Doan in the second round. Um, Shane obviously played twenty years with the Coyotes. His jersey is one of the few that hangs in the rafters in that building. And I just I I'm all for storylines, especially when it comes to the the draft and finding those cool ties. So that was another winner for me. Yeah, one of the other. Yeah, I, the, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead, Chapman. No, no, no. no, no. Go ahead, Chapman. No, I was going to change this. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> it's all you, Ryan. <laughs> okay, then then on on Josh Doan, on Shane Doan, like that's such a cool moment for Shane Doan. It's such a cool moment for his son. And, and I think that you're absolutely right, just in terms of pointing it out. Like, you know, pessimists will sit there and say, ah, nepotism, whatever. I just think it's an awesome moment. I think it's really cool. And for Josh, like, it's it's big shoes to fill within an organization mm-hmm. that his dad is a legend. So, uh, if anything, you're going to get a player coming into your organization that's ready to to prove that he is not necessarily his dad, but can be a very effective player. So, I think it works on a lot of different levels for Arizona. Yeah, and I, I was going to say the other winner for me is siblings. It was yep. a very interesting <laughs> draft in, in terms of siblings because obviously we had Luke Hughes getting drafted by the New Jersey Devils. He's going to go play with his brother, Jack. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche drafted Kale McCarr's brother. Great. There's another one of them that now the NHL <laughs> needs to worry about. Look out for Taylor McCarr yeah. in the wings. Chicago drafted <laughs> Kirby Doc's brother, Colton. And there was another set of brothers. Well, and and Golden Knights prospect Caden Korzak, his brother Ryder, was drafted by the New York Rangers. So a, a former VGK tie in there with Gerard Gallant. So uh, a, a big weekend for siblings, I would say, in the NHL draft. I mean, lots lots of cool stuff. And I mean, listen, me and my brother, we we were both pretty good at sports. Neither of us were good enough to ever even dream of doing anything professionally. I can't even yeah. imagine what it must be like to have children who were so good, both of them or, or, or multiple children who were so good at a specific sport that they both get drafted and maybe one day we'll all play in the NHL. That's incredible. Yeah, it's such a cool moment. It's such a cool thing to share and experience. And I think that, you know, brotherly love is certainly on mm-hmm. the minds of a lot of different NHL families and NHL teams we're going to separate the winners and the losers by a little bit of time we'll take a break when we come back we'll reset our number two and get into some contract talk at five o'clock right here on the vegas golden knights insider show fox sports las vegas this is the vgk insider show on fox sports las vegas 98.9 fm and 1340 a.m now back to darren millard and ryan wallace Wrapping up our number one, got into some draft talk. Look at looked at winners and losers still to come. 
We're going to talk about defensemen, specifically contracts, what one might look like for Alec Martinez, what Seth Jones was able to get from the Chicago Blackhawks, and what Kale McCarr is making, yet still he's underpaid. All that coming up in hour number two, and your chance to win tickets to NBA Summer League, all coming up next on Fox Sports Las Vegas.